our culture celebrates choice. You can choose your gender, your pronouns. You can choose to terminate a pregnancy, at least in this state. You can choose also in this state to take your own life through physician-assisted suicide. You can choose your partner, no matter their gender. You can choose to have multiple partners. These are some of the maybe more controversial choices that we could consider today. But we make choices every day, don't we? There are lots of ordinary choices that we make every day that aren't as significant as these, but we still think about them. We see that ad for the newest iPhone or Android. We think, oh, should I upgrade? We could choose to go on a diet. We can choose to be a totally different person behind the wheel of our car like Cruella DeVille, even if you're a nice person face-to-face. I'm sorry if I've cut any of you off. You're like, that's my pastor? What's going on? Uh, many of us choose to be completely or pretty different people behind our screens and our keyboards as we fire off that text or that email. I know because I've seen some of your texts and your emails. <laughs> You've seen mine too, I'm sure. Uh, you get the point. We make lots of choices every day, some of which we're not so proud of, some of which we regret. But we still, we don't want that choice taken away from us. We still love to choose. We want to be able to choose most of the time. Sometimes, again, choice is a burden. We get decision fatigue. Uh, our, our lead pastor, Michael Lawrence, makes the choice for me, basically, when I'm preaching. So, thanks, Michael. Here, here I am. He chooses when I will preach, but he doesn't choose what I will preach. And uh, when I have the freedom, I have this like whole book. You know, There's a lot of good stuff in here. And I'm faced with, okay, what is it that I'm going to preach? I find that to be very difficult and sometimes overwhelming. Sometimes I spend way too much time trying to figure out what is it that I'm going to preach. Thankfully, the Lord has given me a, a wife and Ashley who's better at just in general at making choices. Um, so she helped me uh, choose uh, the book of Deuteronomy, which is the text we're in this morning. Uh, but if you don't like it, don't blame her. It was ultimately my choice. <laughs> to choose is human. There is a dignity in choice. To not give people choice like our country used to deny certain choices to women and to ethnic minorities was to treat them as less than human. Today, whether you're a man, woman, child, whatever your background, whatever your past choices whatever your education, income, or ethnicity, we are all offered a most important choice. And I'd invite you to open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. Deuteronomy 30, 11. It can be found in the Black Pew Bibles in front of you on page 177. It's been a couple weeks since we've been in Deuteronomy uh, let me catch us up to speed in Deuteronomy 30, 1 through 10. Moses told Israel, you have one job. 
to remain loyal to me, to love me, to walk in my ways. But did Israel keep her one job? Or would she keep her one job? No. No, we know that she had an epic fail, or she was bound for an epic fail. But the good news is that the Lord, her God, the Lord our God, overcame Israel's failure. The Lord promised to do for Israel what she could not do for herself. God promised to give Israel a new heart, to circumcise her heart so that she would love and obey the Lord. And he promised to return Israel from exile after she came to her senses, after Israel came to her senses, after she repented and returned to the Lord. This all would happen to Israel in the future, uh, generations later. That was the Lord's promise of what he would do. So that's Deuteronomy 30, 1 through 10, that we considered at the beginning of the month. Today, we will see that God's promise of what he's going to do compels our choice today. God's promise compels our choice. Today's text, Moses turns to the current generation of Israel. So like the people who are standing right there in front of them, in front of him, considering God's promise for God to do for Israel what she could not do for herself, is there anything left for Israel to do? Okay, God, I mean, you're going you're gonna to do the work, you know, you're going to do that new heart thing, snip, snip of our heart. Once we're in the promised land, once we come back to our senses, we just wait, we just kind of sit around and wait for you to do your thing. No. Moses calls the current generation on the verge of the promised land to action. What must Israel do today? Listen as I read Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 through 20. Deuteronomy 30, verse 11. This command that I give you today is certainly not too difficult or beyond your reach. It is not in heaven so that you have to ask who will go up to heaven, get it for us, and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. And it is not across the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea, get it for us, and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. But the message is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may follow it. Verse 15, see today, I have set before you life and prosperity, death and adversity. For I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commands, statutes, and ordinances, so that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God may bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not listen and you are led astray to bow and worship to other gods and serve them, I tell you today that you will certainly perish and will not prolong your days in the land you are entering to possess across the Jordan. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Love the Lord your God. Obey him and remain faithful to him for he is your life. And he will prolong your days as you live in the land the Lord swore to give your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God's promises must never produce passivity. 
And so Moses calls Israel to do something that is profoundly human, to make a choice. The question for Israel and for us today, what is that choice? Will they choose life or death? And what will we choose? Will we choose the Lord our God, our God or will we choose the gods of our own making? So friends, even as you sit here today, you have a choice. You have a choice whether to listen to this message from God to you, and ultimately you have a choice whether you will choose life or death. And I want to convince you today to choose life. Choose life today. Pretty simple. That's the main argument of this message. Choose life today. We're going to see two reasons as we walk through the text of why we should choose life. One, God is near. Two, God is life. God is near. God is life. My prayer for us today is that no matter what choices you made yesterday, that you would see that today is a new day to make a choice that could alter your life eternally. So first, choose life today because one, God is near. We see this in verses 11 through 14. I'm going to read it again. Follow along with me. Verse 11, this command that I give you today is certainly not too difficult or beyond your reach. It is not in heaven so that you have to ask, who will go up to heaven? Get it for us and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. And it is not across the sea. So that you have to ask, who will cross the sea? Get it for us and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it. But the message is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may follow it. The command that the Lord gives Israel, that he mentions in verse 11, is the entire law that Moses has been preaching in chapters 1 through 29 of Deuteronomy. And the book of Deuteronomy, remember, is just a retelling of the law. Moses preaches the law after it's been given to Israel before they cross into the promised land. This command, this law, is also what Moses is getting at in verse 14 when he says the message. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about the law. He says this message that's very near to Israel, again, that's God's self-revelation in his word. And it's a near word. It's a near word. Isn't that what we see? When Moses tells Israel in Deuteronomy 30.11 that the command is not beyond their reach, and in verse 14, that the, com- the message is very near to you, this is what he's talking about. It's a near word. He was, he's talking about a God who is known because he chooses to reveal himself. Like, God makes choice here too. He chooses to reveal himself to his people. And the way he did that for Israel was in the law. can't remember if I've shared this story with you before, just an ordinary conversation I had. I remember I was a freshman in high school. I was sitting in a computer lab with my computer lab buddy, and uh, I, I got the courage to ask him what he thought of God. And he said pretty confidently, and I'm sure you've heard this kind of answer before too, that if there is a God, he would be beyond our finding out. How could we creatures 
finite human beings comprehend something or someone who has created all of this. My computer lab buddy was correct. God is beyond our reach and understanding. There is no way that we could intuit our way to God, figure him out, so to speak. But what does Moses say in Deuteronomy 29, 29? The hidden things belong to the Lord our God, but the revealed things belong to us and our children forever so that we may follow all the words of this law. We can't know God unless he chooses to reveal himself to us. And praise God, that's what he's done. God has not been silent. He hasn't remained hidden, but he has spoken. He sought us. We didn't have to go seeking him. That's what he's getting at, Moses is getting at in uh, verses 13 and, four, uh, and 12, about going up to the heavens, going across the sea. We didn't have to go on some epic journey to find God. He came to us. And if you're listening to these words that I'm telling you today, this is God speaking to you right now in his word. The God who created heaven and earth and who is the Lord of history has chosen to speak words to us that we can understand. Even if you are five years old and you are sitting here listening to God's word and listening to this message, you can understand God. That's a wild thing. You can understand God. You can understand what he is like. Not fully, but truly. And when God speaks, when God reveals himself to us in his word, we have a choice to make. When God speaks, we have a choice. Will we listen? Will we listen? Here we see in this text that God came near to Israel. He told them what kind of God that he was and how to be in relationship with him. They were to draw near to him in love, just as he had drawn near to them in love. He would do the work necessary. He promised to do the work necessary to give them a new heart that would choose him, hearts that would trust him. And today, like Israel, we are in much the same place. We are not left to blindly find our way to God in the dark. You don't need to go to the Holy Land and do one of those Israel tours. You don't need to go to seminary in order to know the God who has revealed himself and his word. God, not to say that those things are bad, God has done all that is necessary to reveal himself to us. He has drawn near. He is right here. He is speaking to you today. So will you listen and grab hold of him in faith? Will you trust him? Will you trust his word? Will you take God at his word? Again, kids, this is for you too. Do you ever wonder, kids, if God loves you? 
Kids, do you ever wonder if you matter? Well, God proves his love to you. He proves that you matter by speaking to you, by drawing near to you. This is what love does, right? It draws near. God speaks words of love to reveal, to, to, like when we're in a relationship, if we are vulnerable with one another, we share something about ourselves with some, someone, that is an act of trust, that is an act of love. God draws near to us, speaks works, words of love, and we know that most of all, not just in the law, but in the gospel of his son, we see God drawing near to us. So kids, you can know the God who made you, who loves you, who says that you matter, because Christ came. He died on the cross, and he gives you a hope that goes beyond this life. Your sins can be forgiven because he got up from the dead. Well, God has revealed himself. We have seen that it is a near word. God was gracious to reveal himself in his law, as we've been considering here in Deuteronomy. But there's a small problem, isn't there? I wonder if you had a, wait a minute, when we were reading verse 11. Look back at Deuteronomy 30, verse 11. It says, this command that I give you today is certainly not too difficult or beyond your reach. Like, really? Not too difficult? Isn't it kind of impossible? But this is what the text says. Moses is speaking to Israel's physical capacity to keep the law. Israel can keep the law. The problem is not the law. The problem is Israel doesn't want to do it. They don't want to keep the law. And I think you and I can relate. Uh, it's a little story that I'm not proud of. When I was in Europe as a college student um, doing the touristy things and studying, there were signs everywhere that we went, you know, where you can go and where you can't go. And I don't like being told what to do, especially by Europeans. No. <laughs> Uh, I wasn't a subject of the Queen of England or, you know, the Prime Minister of France, so I disobeyed. I, it wasn't that the signs weren't sufficiently clear, like, don't touch Stonehenge. I was like, oh, this would make a great picture. Um, or, you know, don't get out of line at Versailles and leave the tour and go off on your own. I could have obeyed, it's just that I didn't want to. I didn't feel like it. I thought it would be more fun to go my own way. And there's pictures to prove it. Kids, don't be like me. It is not cool just to be a rebel like everybody else. All of us, by nature, maybe not in those ways, are like me traveling in Europe. The signs are clear. It's not hard to figure out where to go and what to do, but we refuse to do it. We, we, we may blame the rules. We like to do that. We may blame even God. We don't live according to God's law because our hearts are too rebellious. Again, it's not the law's fault. It's our fault. We don't like being told what to do. So what are we to do about this? Well, God made a choice. The message became a messenger. The word became flesh. The lawgiver sent a law keeper. God came near when Christ came down and inhabited our life. Just like Tanner read in Romans 10 earlier, we 
couldn't do this ourselves. We couldn't go up to heaven and bring Christ down. We couldn't bring him up from the grave. But this is what God did. We see in Romans 10 as well that Apostle Paul says, faith, so how we respond to the God who reveals himself, who draws near, faith is looking to God and to his work, to his revealing, rather than to our abilities. And the choice that faces us all today is will we grab a hold of the one who has drawn near to us? Will we grab a hold of him in faith? You can choose Christ today by faith. Again, faith is not having all your questions answered about who God is and what he's like. Faith is not having any doubts. Faith often has doubts. You say, believe. Lord, help me believe. Help my unbelief. Faith is not thinking that we can kind of meet God halfway and earn his approval. Faith is not blind faith. Just believe. Just, just believe. The power of faith is not in your faith. The power of your faith is in the object of your faith. It's ultimately putting your trust in Christ, the one who has revealed himself to you. Faith is the hand that grabs a hold of Christ. And let's be honest, our grip is often super weak. But the Lord promises to hold on to us, even when our grip is slipping. So do you have faith in Christ? Think, well, how, how do I know? How would I know if I have faith? Many people say they have faith. You know, I did that thing in Romans 10 that we heard earlier. Confess with my mouth. Got baptized. But a lot of people say these things, right? Look at the verses again, and particularly the end of the verses, in verses 12, 13, and 14. Why has God revealed himself to us? Why has his word drawn near to us? The end of verse 12, so that we might follow it. Verse 13, so that we may follow it. Verse 14, so that we may follow it. God drew near to his people in the law so that Israel might follow him, so that they might know him. And ultimately, though, as we're going to see here later on in the text, we don't follow an it. We follow a person. We don't follow a set of rules. We follow the lawgiver, the Lord of life, the one who chose to make himself known to us. So what helps you follow this God in faith? What helps you listen to the one who has, is speaking to you? How are you going to grow in that this next week? Drawing near to the one who draws near to you. I know for me that perhaps I have grown in my faith in drawing near to God because of my relationship with you. My relationship with God's people. Think about the times when you have felt, if you're a believer, the most alive spiritually. Doesn't it often coincide when you are in close community with others who have faith, when you're in relationship with a church. Now, Moses isn't just speaking to a loose collection of individuals here as they are about to enter the promised land. He's telling them together, hey, 
God has revealed Himself to y'all. His message is near y'all. So y'all better remember this. You know, I, I couldn't say it as good as Rebecca Smith. But a simple way that we respond to the God who has drawn near to us is we draw near to one another. Christ's body, the church. This is the means. God tells us how to grow in our faith, grow in our response to Him. So, simple ways. Think of simple ways that you can draw near to your brothers and sisters even today in faith to encourage their faith and even to encourage your own. Consider just writing a note or a text to share with someone in this church family, maybe someone sitting around you right now or sharing after the service, hey, you have encouraged me as I have seen this evidence of grace in your life, as I have seen you walk, through, walk in faith through the trials that I know you've been through. That's encouraged my faith. As I see you sing praises to God uh, when I know what you've been through, uh, that encourages me. I'd invite you to share with someone in this church maybe a scripture that you're praying for them. Choose to pray a scripture and then let them know, I've been praying this for you. I think we have grown a lot in this as a church, and I think we can continue to grow. And I do want to just thank all of you who have encouraged me uh, through your, your text, through your words of encouragement, through your handwritten note. You know, I save all the handwritten notes. Uh, if, you, if you write me a note, I put it in a file in my office labeled encouragement, and uh, that helps me. When, I, uh, when I'm struggling for joy in Christ, when I'm just mainly focused on all the things that are wrong, uh, you know, I can look at those and I can, I can remember that God is near and you drew near to me during, during that time. So I want to thank you and encourage you to keep it up, not just for me, but for all y'all. Uh, our words to one another, our words of truth, remind us that God is a God who is near. So how can you minister to someone even today with a word of encouragement? Just another simple way that we provide as a church, we have the Nine Marks Northwest Conference coming up where we're going to be thinking about what does it look like to draw near to one another in membership. You can come out and fellowship with God's people this weekend, Friday night and Saturday, and hear excellent messages from God's Word as He speaks to you. That can be a way that you can grow in your faith. The choice is ours, brothers and sisters. Will we draw near to the one who draws near to us? When we choose him, we will know his life. That's what I'm really excited to talk about in this second and final point. Point number two, God is life. Verses 15 through 20. So just to review, in 11 through 14, we saw that the command is clear and the message is near. God has drawn near. But right before Moses dies, right before Israel is on the verge of crossing the Jordan into the promised land, uh, remind us again, Moses, what, like, what, what's the command about, that command you were telling us, that, that message that you referred to in verse 14? What is that all about that's to be in our hearts and our mouths? One last time, before he dies, Moses tells Israel and tells us what that message and that choice is all about. Listen as I read verses 15 through 20. He today... I have set before you life and prosperity, death and adversity. For I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, statutes and ordinances, so that you may live and multiply 
and the Lord your God may bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not listen and you are led astray to bow and worship to other gods and serve them, I tell you today that you will certainly perish and will not prolong your days in the land you are entering to possess across the Jordan. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Love the Lord your God. Obey him and remain faithful to him for he is your life and he will prolong your days as you live in the land the Lord swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses began his sermon in chapter 1, verse 8, saying, See, today I have set before you, sound familiar, verse 15, but he says in in chapter 1, verse 8, the land. I've set the land before you. But now, as Israel's on the verge of entering the land, he offers them something better than land. He offers them life. We see that life and prosperity doesn't ultimately flow from a rich land. Life flows from the Lord, their God. Isn't that what we see in verse 16? Israel will know these blessings, the covenant blessings that God laid out in Deuteronomy 29. Israel will know these blessings, they will know his life if they walk with God, if they obey him, if they walk in his ways. Blessing is found in drawing near to God, loving God, and obeying him. But we know many who are even standing there in front of Moses who are about to enter the land will make a different choice, right? Just like me in in Europe. The law is clear, but their heart will turn away from loving God. How will that happen? How does that happen? What does it say in verse 17? They will not listen to him. Where it starts, they'll grow bored of God's message. Yeah, I've heard this one before, Moses. Good, good sermon. They begin to tune him out. Other priorities take precedence. Well, there's all the family obligations. There's the, the busyness with our job. It's just, it's just more enjoyable. I just feel it's just more life-giving to get brunch instead of going to synagogue. Slowly but surely, some of the people that stand before Moses will drift away from that near message that was at one time in their, in their mouths and in their hearts. The kids will see. Like the next generation, they'll be like, yeah, mom and dad say that like, obeying God is what it's all about, but really? Kids see. The next generation sees what's really important. Before you know it, we're worshiping other gods. God's our own making. That's verse 17. Verse 18 is the consequence. Moses wants to make very clear what happens to those who do not listen to God's word and drift away from that very near God. Verse 18, they will perish. They will certainly perish. That's the consequence. This is, verse 18 is meant to be a warning to Israel. It's a warning to us today too. I, and I wonder when he was giving this warning, when Moses was giving this warning in verse 18, how many Israelites yawned? They're like, okay. Just get on with it, old man. We've heard this one before. We've been waiting across this land for 40 years. We know we need to obey the law. Okay, you've told us a hundred times. But were they listening? 
They heard, but were they listening? And then we have verse 19. Moses calls heaven and earth as covenant witnesses to the choice that is before Israel right here, right now. It's like a scene at a wedding. It often takes place, like right here. The wedding party and those assembled to witness this union between the Lord and Israel are heaven and earth itself. All of creation, all of heaven is invited to witness this moment. And the choice now belongs to Israel. Will you, Israel, take the Lord, your God, to have and to hold from this day forward? Moses makes his final appeal in verse 19 after calling the covenant witnesses, after setting before them life and death. He says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Kind of a funny contrast if you think about it, right? Okay, I'm setting before you life and death. I mean, what, what person standing there was like, tell us more about death. Uh, that, sound, that maybe sounds better. No, but many Israelites would choose death, as we, we thought about. They would hear, but they wouldn't listen. They would be Israelites in name, but their hearts would be cold to God and His Word. Are there ways that you have chosen death this last week? Are there ways that you have chosen death this last week? Choosing death doesn't necessarily mean joining a satanic cult. It can be a slow drift towards the world, beginning to love the things of this world more than the Lord. It's excusing a little indulgence as you entertain a lust, to give vent to your anger, or enjoy a laugh at the expense of someone else. Let me be clear, any of these things on their own do not mean that you aren't a Christian. That you are destined to perish because you screwed up this last week. But friends, we know we are our habits. We are the sum of our choices over time. And our choices, excused, rationalized, hidden, not talked about with one another, reveal what's in here. And that's, even for Israel in the Old Testament, that's what it was all about. Beware that we become like many in Israel, slowly drifting away from the Lord our God, confessing Him with our lips, but our hearts are far from Him. So friend, have you wandered from God? Have you been living for yourself? Today is the day to know true life. If you've been living for yourself, how's that working out for you? Sure, it can be fun for a while, but where do you see that train going? Today is the day to know the life that comes from the author of life. Look with me 
again at verses 19 and 20. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Love the Lord your God, obey him, and remain faithful to him, for he is your life. Choose life because he is your life. Moses doesn't say the law is your life. Moses doesn't say obedience is your life. He says the Lord is your life. And again, friends, this is what we see in the gospel. The Son came so that we might have life in Him. Listen to a small selection of these passages from the Gospel of John to know the life that is found in the Son of God. For God loved, so loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.16 And this Son who came says that anyone who hears his word and believes him who sent him has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. John 5.24. This son goes on to say that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but he says, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Abundant life. John 10.10. Finally, he says, this is eternal life. What is life? that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. John 17, 3. This is the one who is our life. He laid down his life so that we may share in the life that he shares with the Father. His Spirit comes and creates in us new life, that no longer desires to live for ourselves and get everything that we can out of this life, but to live for Him and the life to come and to live to know Him. So friends, will you choose Christ, who is your life, today? Consider the emphasis in Deuteronomy 30 of when we are to choose life. Did you notice? Verse 11. The, this command that I give you today. Verse 15. See, today I have set before you life and prosperity. Verse 16. For I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God. Verse 18. I tell you today. Verse 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today. Friends, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to choose life. Today is the day to repent of your lesser loves and to cast ourselves on Christ. And you might be sitting there and you've grown up in the church and you're like, I've heard these evangelistic appeals many times before, preacher. I know that this is how you shut it down. You call all the unbelievers to believe in Christ today. And don't get me wrong, I am doing that. If you do not know Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to know full life. But friends, Moses is talking to the people of God. He is talking to people who know him. And brothers, sisters, I'm not mainly talking to those who do not identify as Christians in this room. I'm talking to you, the church. Moses gave this choice on this day to those who had made the choice many times before. Who would have checked the box. He is speaking to those who knew God. 
He was speaking to those who claim to believe and who are about to inherit the land of promise. But he is calling them today to continue to believe, to persevere in faith. And so for us, if you've heard it once, you've heard it a million times from this pulpit, Christianity is not about getting a ticket to heaven by making a choice, by praying a prayer, by getting baptized. If the Lord is your life, it will be shown today as you choose to listen to Him, love Him, and be loyal to Him. Don't bank on your past choices. God calls us today to choose Him. This is what it means to choose life. To listen to Him today. To love Him today. To remain loyal to Him today. And maybe you look back, because we, we tend to look back with regret. We tend to look back, even maybe in this last week, on our choices, and we realize, yeah, if I'm being honest, Christ wasn't really my life this last week. I feared other things more than God. I feared other people and what they thought of me. I found more life in my money or my entertainment or just really myself. But here is Christ's word to you today. Choose me. Today is the day to renew the covenant with the Lord your God, just as Israel does before she enters the promised land. You know, you can, you can choose to remain in the darkness. You can enjoy the illusion as long as it lasts, that you are in control and that you're the master of your own destiny. Many of us will make that wretched choice and in the words of the old hymn, rather starve than come. But our hearts know that we were created for more than this. We were created more for than just this life. And friends, no matter what you've done in the past, no matter the choices you've made, I beg you, choose life today. Choose life in Christ today. Ask the Lord to give you ears that not only hear, but listen. A heart and a mind that doesn't just understand, but loves. Choosing life today will mean showing grace to your kids, even when they annoy you. Choosing life today will mean showing grace to your spouse, even when you come to the realization that this wasn't the spouse that you thought you were marrying or maybe dreamed and hoped for. Choosing life will mean choosing to think the best of your brothers and sisters here at the church, even when you feel a little slighted or hurt by them. Choosing life today will mean not judging your leader's motives, but seeking to listen and obey and even live under the leadership of the leaders with joy. Choosing life today will mean opening God's word and asking him to give you a humble heart that you might understand more of who he is for you in Christ. Choosing life in Christ will mean seeking to grow, to be more bold in your evangelism, to be clear with the gospel, to to share the hope that is within you. Choosing life today will mean forgiving someone in light of how you have been forgiven in Christ. It will mean entrusting your singleness, your infertility, your suffering, all your hopes and dreams to Christ because you know that life is not found in a biological family or in this life or even how happy you are in this church, but life is found in Christ alone. So what will choosing Christ 
look like for you today? Will you choose life the next time you feel your anger bubbling up inside of you? Or that opportunity for lust and greed? Will you choose life when you are criticized and everything in you wants to strike back or defend yourself? Friends, we're faced with many choices today, but there's only one choice that matters. Like Israel, we will one day be on the banks of our Jordan River. The promised land awaits. The question for us is, will we choose life? Will we draw near to the one who has drawn near to us? Will we choose life and know life with Christ everlasting? When there is no more choice, but we will see him face to face, and all there will be is joy and worship. We are given a choice. No one can make this choice for you, but the choice is clear. Today, choose Christ, because he is your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, if we're honest, we feel like we can't. We can't choose you. Our selfishness, our pride, our sin, the, thing, the gods that we live for in this world are too strong. And Lord, we confess that we even have doubts. It often feels like you don't love us. It often feels like we don't matter. Lord, we pray that you would shine light into our darkness. We pray that you would warm our cold hearts by your word and by the word made flesh. Oh Lord, help us to see and savor Jesus Christ even now. Saturate us in your word. Help us to even open your word this week and look to your word as if it is words of life because Lord, you have told us that that's what it is. We cannot make sense of our lives or this life apart from you. So Lord, we beg you, help us. Reveal yourself to us, and we thank you and praise you as the one who has done just that in the gospel. Uh, so, Spirit, come. Spirit, come even now. Convict us. Encourage us. Comfort us. And point us to your Son, who is our life. We ask all these things in the name of the Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I will say, if you would like to know how Christ can be your life, we as a church would love nothing more than to set aside everything in order to talk to you about how Christ can be your life. I know I would love to talk to you. I know anybody here would, would love to talk to you more about that. So just come and talk to us. We would love to talk about how you could start that journey looking each day to Christ who is our life.